0: Hey guys, it's Jesse with Failed Entrepreneurs on the Strong Label Podcast. We Just completed an interview with Jim Ward, who is the CEO of BrainCell. They are a software reseller and growth enablement company out of Massachusetts. This is an uh, awesome, awesome interview, and I'm not just saying that. It, there's really good stuff in here that I think you guys can uh, take out of it and apply to your life. So please sit back and enjoy. we're doing here with failed entrepreneurs, I always like to remind the listeners and the person I'm interviewing of this, we are trying to bridge the gap between the person that has dreams, goals, and ambitions to the person that they want to become. And to do that, you have to understand that throughout the process of reaching your dreams and goals, there's going to be setbacks that you're going to have, whether it's financial or relationships. You're going to have, you know, maybe self doubts. You might second guess yourself. With fail entrepreneurs, we want to be able to relate to the person that we want to be or that we look up to, so that we can be motivated to take action because it seems more attainable. So, Jim, um, why don't you kind of introduce yourself and tell you, uh, you know, where you're at now on the grand scheme of, um, you know, what you wanted
1: to do with your life? Okay, Jesse. Well, it's nice to talk to you again, Jesse. It's mm-hmm. been a What, a few months, some months? Almost Almost a year now. Almost a year. My God, time flies. When you get older, time flies. (laughs) Really flies. You'll see. Um, So today, um, I started the business 26 years ago uh, in 1994. Uh, Out of a fourth bedroom today, we're looking around $10 million in revenue. Um, We are a bootstrap company. Meaning that I've taken, I've never taken loans or monies from outside sources. I've consistently reinvested into the business, and um, as you, I mean, of course you were here for a bit with us, so you know a little bit about our internal workings. But um, uh, the company has evolved quite a bit over those twenty-six years. Uh, because we're in technology, you either evolve or you die. You either grow and evolve or you die. So. You have to be on your feet at all times, ready to move. Um, And I would say, you know, I'm the tortoise. And if you know the story about the tortoise and the hare, Mm -hmm. you know who won. Um, So there's a lot of folks that, you know, try to make it quick to the top, uh, get rich, quick schemes. Uh, I certainly, when I was young, explored those. Uh, You saw right through them, or I did. I don't think there's any quick way to do this. Um, perhaps you can find luck and ride the lady of luck, but it's a uh, you have to be dedicated to uh, working to where you want to be. And you need to have a vision. You need to have dreams. So you mentioned dreams. You know I'm a big believer in dreams. Oh, yeah.
0: So, Jim, you mentioned um, the Get Rich Quick scheme. Did you... Did you say you never dealt with any of those when you, were, when you were growing up or did you try them?
1: No, I looked at a few. Um, so if you really want to go backwards to where I started, hmm. yes. maybe that's a good story to come from. Definitely. So I was very fortunate uh, to have grown up in a family that owned a family business um, and that business was New England manufacturing company, which was a paint manufacturer. It's a well-known brand. It was known as Terrain Paints. Um, unfortunately, as I came out of college, the company was starting to feel the effects of a lot of changes that took place in ownership. Uh, my father had ownership, but there was a partner involved. And uh, uh, there were issues there uh, with the partnership. Uh, there was an AFL CIO union, very um, challenging to work with unions. It's an mm-hmm. adversarial relationship by its very nature. And of course, being in the paint manufacturing world, we had EPA issues, uh, Superfund sites. Um, so I came in at a time in 19, I graduated in 1981. Jesse, oh my God, can you believe that, 1981? Um, and I came out of school, went into the business, and um, was very insulated. Right. And um, eventually uh, in the the recession of 1990 ish, I guess it was 1990 in that period of time, uh, the company was suffering not only from loss of business, but also the Superfund sites, all the things that I mentioned. And I made a bold move to take over the company in its entirety. Uh, everything went. Well, I got rid of the union. I was on my way of getting rid of the partnership, uh, only to have the Department of Environmental Protection come in with their strike force and the bank would no longer touch the deal. So uh, I literally had to leave the keys on the table. Wow. Uh, And I remember that was, I believe, in the month of April, me calling the bank and saying, if you can't lend me any more money, I'm literally leaving. Hmm. And you know, this is something my grandfather had been a part of building since 1918. It was a lot of land. a lot of land, big factory. Um, It was a big emotional deal to lose that. And at the same time, I also had my father who became sick with cancer. Um, So it's not just always business failures or things that impact you. I had a child on the way. I had a father dying of cancer and I was trying to make it work, but ultimately my father passed away. And um, that's when I made the bold move. The bold move was the only move for me. I didn't want to limp along anymore. It was either make it work, for me, the way I wanted it to work, or I needed to get out. And, so that's uh,
0: so that's perfect to hear because, no, I mean, obviously, sorry about all that situation, yeah. but most people, I think, in that situation would say, okay, the bank isn't going to lend me money. The EPA came in and shut me down, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my father's not doing well. I have a kid on the way. Most people, I think, would curl up into a ball and, you know, go get a nine-to-five. That would just be... Just that's, comfortable enough. So how did you, like, what went through your mind where you're like, oh, no, I'm not doing that?
1: Well, so that's a great point, too. So I had done some preparation in my uh, with positive mental attitude. You know, I, had, I used to listen to Laurel Nightingale. I'd listen to, I had cassettes up the yin yang. Jim Rohn? Uh, uh, no, I, you know, I would listen to Tony Robbins, yeah. laurel Nightingale, a bunch of folks, because I really believe in this concept of, you've got to, it's Jedi mind training in order mm. to become a positive mental attitude thinker, which by the way, is everything yes. in order to succeed, I believe. Um, so I had that, there were other things that I was missing um, that I needed to work on. Uh, but, um, I didn't curl up on the ball. However, I did feel as though I needed the job, take care of my family. I had a, I had a newborn. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so my wife had said to me, don't take the job. Don't take the job. Just, find what your niche is and I just thought I can't do that I got to, you know I got to keep moving I'm kind of a guy that needs to keep moving Mm. so I took this horrible job working for a paint company it was Coronado Paints out of Florida Uh, they set me up to fail really because I found out they had one um, exclusive retailer in the state of Massachusetts of which a nice lady but she couldn't support Mm. the growth and and a lot of my relationships were in Massachusetts anyways one year later I was fired best thing that ever happened to me. Okay. Although getting fired hurts, it's also a great opportunity to change direction.
0: And that okay. was my
1: attitude. Failure isn't failure. It's an opportunity to change direction. And somebody once said that to me, I've never forgotten that phrase. Mm-hmm. And from there I had, and, and and by the way, I had been working on a side gig doing some consulting work because during the, the paint manufacturing's failures, I had hired a consulting firm to help uh, I had a good relationship there and hired, uh, I had the state of Massachusetts came in to assist, uh, and they started, they asked if I would help t- turn some companies around. So I had okay. that going on while I was working that job. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so I was starting to build some concepts around the things I wanted to do as an entrepreneur. And that's what really launched me, uh, finally, uh, into, at that time, the company was called strategic sales. And I was, um, by the turnaround consultants, that was a, they were really a big turnaround consultant group, uh, asked me if I would go up to Montreal and work up there on a company to help them turn their sales and marketing around. Uh, ultimately, I did. I made very good money. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, that company fired the turnaround group, but kept me. And so I stayed on quite a long time and then came back. And I, during that period of time, I realized that software was where I belonged. Okay. Uh, that I had taken on. So I used to use software to help companies or myself. And then I just simply called one company and said, can I resell this stuff? And it had great <laughs> margins. Yeah. And so from there, it just took off. We ended up becoming, you know, globally, one of the top resellers for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, start focusing on that.
0: So when you were growing up, did you, did you ever see yourself as, as doing what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, uh, not doing exactly what I was doing now, but I wanted to be in business for myself. Certainly, as I went into the factory, one of the things that I didn't like was I didn't know the business from the bottom up.
0: And that's for the paint company?
1: Yep. Okay. You know, it was a seventy-five, person company, manufacturing facility. You know, I really believe you have to start at the bottom. You Mm got to know the bottom. You got to know, really, I think for me, at least my personality, I needed to understand what it meant to fill a can what it meant okay. to tint the paint. And I never had all of those opportunities. I did work in the laboratory, but it wasn't ground level enough for me. So on the upside in this situation, I know the business from the bottom up.
0: Okay. Now, um, when we first started talking, you mentioned uh, you bootstrapped. So you, you never took a loan out. You never took any outside sourcing. Was that because of what happened at the paint company or was that just yep. something
1: that you've always been? in? No, it's the tenants come from my experiences. Okay. So you will develop experiences that you say are good experiences some are bad. You know, one of the things that occurred from the paint company, I, always, I had the following tenants. I said, I will never have employees again. I will never take a bank loan out again. Banks like, like insurance companies, banks like to provide you a umbrella when it's sunny out and take it away when it's, there's rain. Mm. So I do not want to be uh, under that gun. Uh, and feeling out of the control of my own business by having a lender <clears throat> push me around. Okay. It's also, I'm also probably for that reason, I'm not a good employee because I don't like being pushed around. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I have more of a, uh, I'm aggressive. I'm mm. passionate. I'm emotional. Not all can handle that. Uh, yeah. Right. So, um, so yes. And then I also said, I'd never have a partner again. Now along the way I broke some of those tenants and had to relearn the lesson. Mm. So, um, I took on a partner. He had a little bit more of a technical edge to him. And for that, I'm not sorry, but he ended up, um, putting himself in a financial position that was precarious to the company. And I had to buy him out. Then I really made the decision, no more partners. And of course, in order to scale the business, I had to hire employees. Uh, And I have a great team today, but I learned how to get a great team. That Mm. took, that took many, many years, decades. Um, so, uh, and the money, I just didn't want to be holding. I'm still not beholding to anybody. Mm.
0: Now, I know you don't believe in failures and, and obviously with the podcast, you know, we position failures, you know, I'm quoting the word failures. We position them as stepping stones to get us to, it's, it's a learning opportunity, right? Yes. So yeah. you mentioned you learned from the paint company that you don't like to be, um, have your hands tied to the bank, you know, to a to a funding source. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a great example of essentially you learn that lesson through, again, quoting failure and, and that, that you applied that to your next position. Now, when you, when you did end up getting though, a uh, partner with the software company and it didn't work out,
1: did you, did you beat yourself up over that for a long time or how did you deal with that? No, I didn't. Uh, Again, I don't spend a lot of time uh, kicking myself in the ass, although I do kick myself in the ass, mm-hmm. but it's one swift kick. Okay. I, don't, I don't repeatedly kick myself. I don't get myself down. I, don't, you know, I just don't have that mindset. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't enter me. Uh, I'm a pretty happy person from morning till night. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm aggressive. right? I believe action equals results. So what did I do? Uh, I remember getting a call that he had owed money to one of our vendors. I immediately shut him down. Uh, told them POs only come from me, and if you don't get a PO from me, you will not get paid, so make sure you get my signature, uh, and then I had to go deal with him. I knew he would, he called me within five minutes, hmm. not being able to place an order. He was living off the next order, which was the okay. unfortunate part, okay. uh, but you're right. All of those little things, I guess people consider those failures, they they are many, many failures. They're many strokes, <laughs> to speak, <laughs> and you, you, know, you get yourself back up uh, quick. And you adapt, and you move. So uh, that's how I look at it. And I'll give you another example too. When I came out, um, I was—I had a huge fear of public speaking. I'm not not crazy about it today either. I don't think. Well, you're talking to an audience of about five million
0: people right now. I know. So
1: this is going viral. (laughs) Um, As soon as you make mention of my name, it'll be. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Three people will be following. my my sister. My sister, my my wife, and we'll get my son to listen. Um, so uh, but I remember had this that was the other thing. You you have little it's not just failures, but there's also weaknesses you find in your uh or or chinks in your armor. Mm-hmm. And the public speaking thing I never addressed because I had the insulation of the family business. I didn't have to address it. But when I started this business, I knew and I remember being at client and having to do a bit of a public speaking situation and just being rattled cool. and so uh i quickly uh again you have to address those things and even you have to face fear you have to move outside your comfort zone and maybe it's incrementally and insidiously but keep moving out mm-hmm. and so i joined toastmasters uh to help myself overcome that fear um so by the way excellent organization cheap 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 but you it, the value is so high Maybe they can be a sponsor now since you named I, them. I did that yeah.
0: for that because... $10. Yeah, if, if we're lucky. But yeah. uh, no, uh, so you... One of the things that I, I think is... Well, Let us biggest... just
1: mention how Apple helped me. <laughs>
0: just kidding. I was hoping for a sponsorship. <laughs> I'd get it Maybe we will. Um, you never know. You never know who's listening. But one of the things that... I, at least for me, I think is the biggest personal development. The biggest is self-awareness. And I think you were kind of alluding to that when you talk about finding the chinks in your armor, mm-hmm. finding you know, what your weaknesses are and becoming aware of them and improving them. Did you, when you talk about like personal development and your kind of your Jedi mind tricks, do you focus on becoming, you know, I guess, aware of yourself or more like how do you, how do you attack? Your,
1: your That's style. a great question. I um like I said I listen to a lot of stuff. I was uh, constantly looking at positive mental attitudes stuff. I I read a lot. Mm-hmm. I had listened to a lot of stuff. I still do it today. As you probably know, we have book club here. Oh yeah. We read a lot. We um we listen to podcasts, audio uh books back then it was cassette tapes. Um and I don't know, man. I just think you develop that mindset uh and also although you may not believe in it, if you read The Secret as an example, and you think about projecting into the universe the things you oh, want. No, I've found, man, that it like, as you know, I, you may know, I'll, just for your audience to hear paper, that's, my, that's all of my lists over the years of my um, goals. And, and if you remember, we have dream meetings here. Yeah. So we have everybody write their goals down. And I think all of the folks here have achieved most of their dreams. Um, I kind of went off course of your question. What was your question again?
0: Well, just just kind of how you attacked you know your your personal development you mentioned you you listened and read books yeah, how do, how do you apply it right because it's one thing to watch a video, it's one thing yeah.
1: to hear Tony Robbins, but how do you actually apply that to your life so let's take sales as an example, and during my twenties, I really felt like I had low value. Okay. I felt you know in the paint company if i I thought about leaving and I thought, man what am I going to do i I have a business degree out of Bentley that's great but I don't really, I felt like I had no value, but then I, um, met a person at my gym who was really into sales and we went to a seminar together and I thought that is so cool. And so in, in the example of sales, I made sales, my craft, right. And I just kept studying selling and I would just try incremental things to see if it would work. You'd put it in. And even though you think there's no way, or this seems so, uh, you know, crazy to try, you gotta try. And then you go, Oh my God, it worked. You know, so you become more, the more that you do that and the more things work by trial and a little bit of error, the more you realize, don't be afraid to try.
0: Yes. Well, that's, that's the essence of the podcast, right? Like you can't be afraid to try and fail because then you won't try at all. So you need to take these little stepping stones and try them. And if they work, you have to be willing
1: to, you have to be willing to fail. Mm. You have to be willing to try trial and error, try and fail. You have to be willing to look at it in a positive light. Mm. So if something doesn't work, or if it's, you consider that failure, again, failure isn't failure. It's an opportunity to change direction. That means you might pivot and you'll try something else. That's worked for me Mm -hmm. forever. Um, But again, I'm the tortoise. It took me 26 years to get this business where it is today. So one of the things that I struggle with and you kind of just touched
0: on it is being able to pivot. So my issue It may not be an issue, you know, over long term, as we come to find out. But is when is it when is it time to pivot? Right? So some people may face a little bit of adversity and decide, hey, you know, that that's not for me, right? So when I was with you, I was working as a customer success manager, and I it's not that I felt that it wasn't for me, I felt that I wasn't able to be really passionate about it and give it my Mm. all, and that I was taking up a seat that would have been, you know, more suitable for somebody else. How do you, how did you determine? you know, that software is where you want to be? And how did you know that you shouldn't maybe pivot into something else? How did you not look at the grass being greener somewhere else? else?
1: Mm, that's a good question too. Um, I think things are presented to you along the way. And it's up to you to have your antenna up enough to realize that's something you should consider. So software came to me, I didn't go to it. Right, it kind of presented itself. And I, I always felt like playing working in software was like being in a video game. You know, uh, if you go back to the paint company, I was involved uh, with helping transform our, back then formulation was on paper. And so when you had to do price increases based on raw material changes and costs, you literally had to take every single formulation by hand and run the numbers and then make your price increase. So uh, back then there was something called VisiCalc. You remember that, uh, Jesse? VisiCalc. I don't know if I do. No, you don't. I guarantee (laughs) you. Excel, of course, took over uh, VisiCalc, but it was on a small little Apple machine, and um, uh, I was involved with building up formulation on VisiCalc, and I always felt like, man, this is just so cool. And so every time I could get, and you know, back then there was not a lot of stuff. Hmm. No internet. You know, nothing. And so I just, every time I could get my hands on something, I'd try it. Contact management software was one of them. I thought it was cool, better than a Rolodex, easier to look up. Um, And contact management turned to uh, Salesforce automation that turned to customer relationship management and it evolved over the years. And I just was always interested. You know, I like what technology, I just like what technology can do to create efficiencies. So keep your antenna up. Keep your antenna up.
0: Now, did you ever while you know in the software business at any point whether it was within the first few months of starting the business or five years ago or a month ago have you ever second guessed your decision to be in
1: software never never not once never wow not once and then that part of that is because i've had success so even that first year <clears throat> and my wife worked for verizon she had a very good job i finally listened to her excuse me i finally listened to her and and, and went off to start this business and it wasn't so much about necessarily the software was about having my own company. First Mm. of all, that was the first thing I wanted my own company. I had a vision of calling my wife someday and saying, Hey honey. Um, and I visioned where I had an office happened to be in Gloucester on the water. I don't know why. Hey honey, want to come up for lunch? You know, I don't know why that was just a dream I had that I had my own office. She would come to the office for lunch. We'd look over the water, blah, blah, blah. So, um, I had that vision and it just so happens that software was a part of the, the journey. Um, and I'm a business guy. And so I went to business school. Um, and there was a show, and I, I forget what it was called, but Michael J. Fox was in one of his early shows, and he was a business guy. And I always related to that concept. So I had these just little yearnings, right? Okay. And then I evolved it into what it is. Um, and perhaps it wasn't exa- I mean, I wasn't, I'm not Bill Gates, and I'm not Steve Jobs, so I didn't have a vision of that uh magnitude thank god you're not steve jobs otherwise we wouldn't be well i'd be yeah (laughs) this would be a different conversation um this would be a seance wouldn't it like Uh, memorial yeah in a way yeah right exactly um and i anyways um so no i didn't I, i never did it was about the it's more about the challenge of business and it's really evolved more than just the challenge of selling. It's about now it's transitioned to really evolving into being a growth enablement company that we really have a noble purpose. And I think you remember, mm. maybe remember yep. reading selling yep. with a noble purpose. That was a real turning point for me. Now the focus is how do I make companies better by doing business with me? What do my How do my salespeople get involved? And it's not selling. It's about really understanding their businesses. Mm. So it's tremendously evolved for me. The interest level is higher than it ever has been because I'm having real effect on companies. Um, I would like my next vision is to move towards a benchmarking concept where we go into companies and we literally take them from a current state to a future state and benchmark their progress. And it's probably monetized somehow. Um, And it's not going to be for everybody, but to have that kind of satisfaction Hmm. of seeing others grow, because if they grow, I have no worries, right. but if you can help your customer grow and do better, you've got nothing to worry about. They're gonna be a customer perhaps for life. Yeah. Uh, if you can help your employees do better and grow, and they're gonna be nice to your customers because of that, you're gonna be taken care of. It's all about, it's a different mindset. So you're, you're basically saying, put the customer first, right? Put the customer first in your mind, how do you make them better? Yes. Customer's not always gonna be right, so you have to be willing to challenge, some customers aren't gonna be good customers either. But also put your employees uh, first. Think about how they will succeed within your venture. And if they are succeeding, the company is likely to be a success because of them.
0: Okay, okay. Now, I heard an interesting, or read an interesting article a few weeks ago where it mentioned some people don't have an inner voice. Do you have an inner voice? Absolutely. Okay. Now that leads me to my next question. Do you ever? So one of the things that I started doing recently is anytime I have a kind of like a, a negative inner voice just kind of rush me out of nowhere, right? Uh huh. Do you have have you ever had that? First of all, like yes. a, a neg- Okay. Do you? I don't know if this is one of the personal development skills maybe you learned, but do you talk to your own inner
1: voice with a positive voice? Does that make sense? It does, but let's use an extreme example of a negative inner voice. You uh, Let's take it away from business. Uh, you have a loved one, and for some reason you're worried, and you start to envision the worst.
0: Mm.
1: You know what I do when that happens? I literally take a hammer and bang it out of my head. Okay, so how do you do that? I mean, literally, it's like, it's like a hammer in my head. I go. You imagine that? I think that? it's kind of a meditative, meditative thing that I've somehow come onto. Okay. But I just look at it and I go, get out of head, get out of my head, get the fuck that out
0: is, of my head. I can't believe you're saying that, Jim, because I, I, my last podcast I did, I talked about this. And I just happened to kind of randomly stumble on that same exact thing where if, if, if I start having a negative thought saying, you know, you can't do this or, or the, you, know, you have to worry about money, I will literally tell my brain to shut up.
1: It, it's like shut you up.
0: rewrite the script, right? You tell your That's brain, shut up. I don't shut want to the those fuck stuff. up
1: <laughs> yeah yeah okay, no, shut the fuck up, get out of my head, and then you need to do you know when you've had a dream and you're kind of coming out of the dream, and then you can start a, you start of trying you don't want to stay with the dream, but you want to form it a little bit yeah to to where you want it to go. you can yeah. do the same thing with your thinking you've got to form it to where you want it to go from a positive perspective, get that fucking negative thought out of my get out of there well, wow. I force I, it right out and because and, I really believe in this universe thing because mm-hmm. I believe if you start taking I think it's a very thin line between depression and being happy. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very thin line from being successful and being a true, uh, I don't want to say true failure, but never having success that you perceive that you want to have. And that thin line is mental. Yes. And I believe if you put the positive thoughts in there and you push towards that direction and you have a vision, you'll get there. Mm -hmm. It might be the tortoise like me. uh, But if you let negative thoughts come in and you let them magnify and become part of your thinking, you're going to go there too. Wow. I, I I really can't believe. it. I think it's very powerful. I think it's very yeah. powerful.
0: Yeah, because what I, what I actually was doing recently, and, and I'm sure you probably do the same thing, is instead of even having those, you know, th- those negative thoughts really don't come around nearly as much. So, just quick little example: I used to when I was driving with my dog, and his head was out the window. If I'm going around a corner, I'd literally imagine him rolling out the window and me driving off, not noticing him, and how sad he would be. Right. And I I was thinking to myself, like, why am I thinking this? This feels horrible. And so. I, I literally tell my brain shut up, stop thinking that I don't want to imagine that it's not realistic that's not real life stop and I don't I don't think that anymore right So what I start doing now and maybe you do this is feed it what you want to think right So I actually prep my brain for future things so I'm thinking okay I'm gonna start maybe a business right I'm not going to worry about money uh, I am gonna face maybe some anxiety I might have some doubt, but if I do it's normal and I'm gonna Embrace this part of the process. Do you do anything like that, where you prep your brain for potential
1: thoughts? Well, I think I have been prepping my brain throughout, and I do that not only back from my my twenties to today. I still do it. It's still the brain. I think is a muscle. Yeah. Uh, And if you don't go to the gym, uh, you lose your strength real fast. So you have to work it, and Mm. it's a consistent. You can't stop. So life will be an ever uh, continuing. Learning and improvement process. Either get on that train, or you know, be happy with where you're at. I agree, hundred percent. And you know, it's another thing I'm going to say to you is uh, be willing to give up what you have in order to get more. I remember that phrase mm. stuck with me for for has stuck with me forever. I had to give willing to give up uh, the paint manufacturing company, release it, let it go, let that shit go in order to get more. <laughs> I had to be willing to have less. To get there. And trust me, when I walked out, although when I was a kid growing up, you would have seen me as maybe a kid with a silver mouth, a silver mouth, a silver spoon in my (laughs) mouth. That silver spoon was gone. When I walked out of that factory, I had zero. I had zero money. I mean, I had a little bit of money in the bank, but I was never paid enough um, uh, from the company to become wealthy. I didn't inherit any money. Uh, so my other my other thing that I say to all folks: do not count on inheritance. Mm. Um, that that may never happen. Uh, but I inherited nothing, and you know, for me, that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. So when you when when you people say, um, you know, things happen for a reason, they they probably do. Mm. And you have to experience it, get through it. And uh, uh, the other saying I love is, uh, "Necessity is the mother of invention." Right. So right? If you need, you will find a way. The creative mind will find a way. That's right. You know, you mentioned about the inner voice. I'm going to give you a recent example. Please do. Um, I won't be specific, but Mm -hmm. this is very specific because I've been working on a program for our company and phantom stock and so forth. And, um, and then somebody has, um, it's probably working here. Who's just so, so much of a value and I can't pay Boston prices. Um, but I want to make sure that we have uh, a way for them to, uh, if we were to have an event that they would catch up uh, in case, uh, it's kind of this a little too deep. Let me just say this. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, my father spoke to me. That okay. was an inner voice that came to me. Now, perhaps it was my inner voice based on his, uh, ex- his um, experiences Influence. and yep. influences on me growing up. But I came to an answer literally in the bathroom after taking a shower. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the answer. That's the answer. And I came in and I couldn't wait to come in. And I don't really care what people think about me if they yeah. think I'm weird, you know. So, you know, the universe spoke to me. My father spoke to me. You know, they could think whatever they want to think. Hmm. All I know is I got the answer. You got the answer and it, yeah. it, it was the answer. Wow. Uh, yep. Yeah. So, so do you think
0: that you mentioned, you know, that, that could definitely have been your father, but you also alluded to it could have been just kind of your experience that you had with him. Could have been.
1: Yeah. So that's... And, and, he happened, it happened to, and it happened to have to do with life insurance. And who thinks about life insurance anymore? I don't. <sighs> I don't
0: know. Who's but he was a loses. life
1: insurance guy. He believed in Does life he? insurance. Yeah. He, he didn't sell it, but he believed in heaven. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, my God, that, that solves the problem, a life insurance policy. So yeah. uh, it was very creative. And, uh, yeah, so you got these, these little examples. I could tell you a lot of them. Yeah. I remember them all um, because I'm old and gray, but, um, but I have a lot of them.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll wrap this up because uh, we are on the top of the hour and I know you're, you're busy. Uh, what is the one piece of advice that you would give somebody that is completely afraid of making their goals come true? They have a goal, but they're afraid to take that step. What would your single piece of advice
1: be? Well, I've said a couple of things that sort of lead you there. Mm. Um, So the first thing I might say is, first of all, if you're happy with what you have, then stay there. But if you want more, be willing to give up what you have. So that's the first piece of advice. Okay. Um, Then I think it's just being committed to taking the step and jumping. And be willing to see positive outcomes to constantly visualize what, you know, if athletes do it all the time, they visualize the outcome as a positive outcome. Uh, I think that's part of it. Um, And then you just need to have a work ethic. You'd be shocked by having a work ethic and constantly grinding. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room because I'm certainly not the smartest guy. I was waiting for you to say something like, no, you are. No, but that's okay. Um, I thought it. I know. Well, I, I, I felt that I heard it. Um, uh, no, but you, you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I tell everybody I'm not the smartest guy. I just happen to have a work ethic and I I'm constantly thinking and I'm constantly on. So I think you've got to be willing to grind it out. If you grind it out day after day, um, an, an average guy can become a superstar. I say guy, I mean that in the a generic sense, guy, yes. woman, Mm-hmm. Uh, can be a superstar mm-hmm. You just gotta grind it out take the chance and jump believe 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 put it in the universe write down your dreams and those are not what i they're not what i call goals they're intense so write down an intent doesn't have to you know a lot of people say write down the steps to the goal but no just write it down look at it every day keep it simple mm. you'll get there Wow. What
0: an absolutely awesome interview. Thank you so much, Jim, for your time. I know how busy you are, so I do really appreciate that. I think the biggest takeaway from that, in my opinion, is when Jim mentioned how you could hammer out those negative thoughts from your your brain, from your inner voice. All you got to do is use your good inner voice to tell those bad negative thoughts to get the bleep out of here. That's something I started doing a few months ago, and sure enough, i jim just happened to mention he does the same thing which was an awesome awesome affirmation that uh that the thing i stumbled on actually works he's been doing it for for quite some time now and he's had great success with it so thank you guys for listening to the fail series of the strong leg Bull podcast this is jesse gazaki and until next time keep growing and keep learning